Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Hello to all of you cannabis aficionados and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Folks, first I'd like to thank our listeners for purchasing my novel. It's called Just Try Me. It's available on Amazon. And my book is about three cannabis-consuming women who get involved in all manner of international intrigue. And Just Try Me has been called attractive to people who appreciate spicy intrigue. And one male reviewer said, if the action doesn't grab you, the sex will. Folks, right now, the entire country is in the grip of a coronavirus hell. That's what I call it. We need to take all precautions if we want to make it through it. And one important thing to survive this virus is to wear a mask when you're out in public and even at home if you live with others. Now, one of my favorite health sites, it's called consumerlab.com, we've had the president of Consumer Lab on the show. What I'd like to do is share with you what Consumer Lab has said about various masks. But the first thing I wanna say is, what I would like to share is that Consumer Lab has no financial connection to our podcast. It produces a verifiable list of the best masks to ensure our health and safety during this really dangerous moment of the pandemic. Now, Consumer Lab's top picks, and I'm going to say them slowly, get a pen if you have one or a pen, but their top pick is the Giffington Designer Face Mask. And I'm gonna spell Giffington, G is in George, I, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, I, N, G is in George, T-O-N, the Giffington Designer Face Mask. It's priced at $24.99, plus unfortunately there's a $5 delivery charge. They made their top pick because, and I'm gonna quote them, because of its comfort and breathability, it's a three-layer mask that meets World Health Organization guidelines, and it has a flexible nose wire and adjustable straps that can loop around the ears or attach around the head. I like that part. The fabric is soft but substantial. It's easy to breathe through and it's slightly dome-like shape makes you feel less constricted than some other masks. It's made in the United States, not in China. And folks, I'd like you to know that we do not receive any money from either consumerlab.com or Giffington Designer Face Mask. And I'll say that again, and please check into it. Giffington Designer Face Mask. And now, I'm happy to introduce today's guest, Mike Robinson. A lot of people may know of him. He's rather famous. He's founder of the Global Cannabinoid Research Center. He's also a pioneer of compassion care and more. Mike Robinson. I've heard a lot about you. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Well, thank you very much for having me. 
Well, thank you too. I've got a lot of different questions to ask you. And I guess the first one is what inspired you to start researching cannabinoid medicine? Was it a, was it a personal experience? Oh, it was a very personal experience. You know, back in 1995, I wrecked on a professional racing tour and was paralyzed on the right side. I was critically injured. Uh, it took years to walk again. I gained severe epilepsy from that pro auto racing wreck and it changed my life forever. I went from somebody who had a seven figure income to somebody that went on social security. Um, so big time personal experience occurred 18 years later in the year 2013, a roommate who could not pronounce uh, cannabidiol told me, Michael-san, you can't eat it all. He was from Korea. And I, I, I had a seizure and tore an ab muscle and he gave me this can't eat it all. He kept telling me can't eat. About a week later, I found out it was cannabidiol. I was actually ingesting CBD, ingesting my cannabis that I used to smoke because I was a stoner, had been a stoner my whole life. I guess you could call me that, somebody that smoked weed. And, you know, suddenly I couldn't smoke because of this injury. And I started ingesting. And that was that was the pivotal moment where I went from somebody that researched law and practiced administrative law on a daily basis and completely changed everything to start researching cannabinoid medicine and practicing the use of it and also giving it away. Now, wait, I want to ask you, when you were given the, the cannabis, was it, in, it, was it gummies? Was it liquid? How were you ingesting it? And how much were you ingesting? When I was first given it, given to me in that manner to ingest it back in it was September 8, 2013. My roommate from Korea made these little herbal balls or small little balls. So I have no idea how many milligrams were in it. I do know that it came from whole plant hemp. Um, I, have, I have no clue. I, I couldn't smoke my cannabis because when I went to go smoke it, when you have a torn ab muscle in your six pack, it'll just bulge out. I mean, you can, you can kill yourself in there an entrapment of intestine from that. So with a torn ab muscle, I was stuck. I couldn't get high like I was used to because I thought smoking cannabis was going to stop my seizures. It never did, you know, but it made me feel better. But suddenly ingesting of it changed everything. Suddenly I stopped seizing. I didn't know the exact amounts. And that's what led me as a researcher in the first place to start wondering how much of this do I need? How much do other people need? Can all the people I know and all these parents I've represented for two decades with disabled kids, can their kids get better the way I just did? Now, I wanna ask you, did, did you feel better like in one day or did it take a week or two weeks? What was the time frame for all of this to happen to you? Well, you know, it was given to me the same day a seizure woke me up at 5.30 a.m. I was out of bed on the floor, EMTs were over me, I refused treatment. The very same day, uh, his name was Henry, Wu Wong Chung, we called him Henry, my roommate from Korea. He went and made these and brought them back the very same evening. And I started ingesting the cannabis raw with it, the THC cannabis raw with, with what was CBD. And it was probably four or five days after that, not even a week, I had realized I wasn't seizing. And 
I threw what he gave to me, this jar of all these little, these little CBD herbal medicine balls. I threw them away because he called it can't eat it all. I didn't know what it was. I figured I had a food allergy. I hadn't been able to eat for five or six days and I wasn't seizing. It was the first time in 18 years that I'd gone through a whole week without seizures. So I figured it had to be the fact that I wasn't eating anymore um, because he was telling me you can't eat it all. And so when, when I tossed that stuff in the garbage and said, I, I don't need to take these Chinese herbs or whatever they are, he came back out and got really upset. And I gave him a pen and paper and said, look, Henry, just write down what this is. And what he wrote down, cannabidiol. I didn't even know what the word was. I took it to my computer and sat down where I did a bunch of legal research all the time and brought up that word and up popped Charlotte's face. And I realized I'm ingesting the same exact substance that this girl in Colorado has used and quit seizing. You know, and wow, talk about a life-changing experience. I mean, that, that's kind of amazing. Now, did you go to the doctor and tell them that all of a sudden you stopped these seizures? What did they say? Were they upset? Oh. They didn't believe you? They thought you were crazy? Uh, tell us about that experience. That was just an incredible experience. My primary care physician was 68 years old and knew what CBD was. So when I told him what was going on, he said, you know, uh, Michael, this sounds great, but you're going to have to sell this to the epileptologist and the neurologist. They're the ones prescribing all these drugs that you're on. You're currently on 12 pharmaceutical medications. So when I told my primary care doctor, hey, I'm not seizing anymore, and he told me this, I had to let him know it's not 12 today. It's down to six. And he said, what? And, and I gave him a list of drugs I discontinued on my own. And he could wow. not believe it. So he said, wait a me, second. Did you get rid of when did you get rid of the other six? If you were on 12, what happened to the other six? When did you get rid of well, those? I still, I still take two pharmaceutical medications at very light doses. So so 10 of the 12 drugs are completely gone. Yeah, I still have severe epilepsy, so it's not very responsible to completely say, hey, I'm not going to take any medication that could keep me alive. You know, there are some medications that are that do help us. Um, you know, so but, but at that point, though, what happened that was very interesting was he immediately sent me to the epileptologist and neurologist who were located in the same professional medical building. So I went to the neurologist first, and he didn't even spend two minutes with me. He told me, I got a call from Walgreens. Your prescription medications are sitting there ready for you to pick up. If you do not pick them up, I have to report it. I couldn't believe it. And I told him, I said, you know, I pay you a copay and anybody I make a payment to, I can hire and fire. You're fired. I don't want you as a doctor. And I left him. I went to the epileptologist and told him what just happened. And he backed up the neurologist and told me, look, if you don't go pick up your, your pharmaceutical medications, you live on your own. You're your own caregiver. We could find you being irresponsible and not taking care of yourself. I could not believe what I was hearing. So I went back to my primary care doctor, my 68-year-old doctor, in the same building, with like two hours of a nightmare. And I go back to him and tell him what happened. And he told me, Mike, don't worry. 
I will write you whatever pharmaceutical meds you are taking and I'll help you if you want to continue weaning off of more medications that don't work. So after all this, I go home and it's not even two hours later and I hear <coughs> knock on the door and I go open the door. It's adult protective services. The neurologist and epileptologist got together, had a little talk and called the equivalent of Child Protective Services for Adults on me. So they came to my house, they looked at my bedding, they looked at my food, my clothes, they looked at the, the condition of my home, whether or not I was able to care for me, and I let them know the threats that were made that day, and I knew who made the threats, and I told them I am not going to pick up those pharmaceutical medications. And they just told me, look, there's nothing we can do but come out and check out your health, safety, and welfare. We're not in charge of pharmaceuticals, but you are correct. It was doctors. So literally, I went from having specialists to only having a primary care doctor in one day because I decided that I was going to take control of what was controlling my life and put an end to all these seizures that put me in the hospital so many times. 39 times I ended up in ICU intubated after status epilepticus, just one time that could have killed me. So, My God, and have you never had those seizures again? I have gone into status epilepticus and needed to be hospitalized twice since 2013. Two times, both times, because I was trying to quit every single pharmaceutical. And that's when I decided, look, two of the medications I take I can drastically reduce by six, 700% of the dose, cut way down, and they will work at these small, small doses, and I won't have problems. But what I found was trying to quit all pharmaceuticals and go with the nature, not pills thing is dangerous for some people, and I'm one of those people, you know? So, so wow, you know, so what would happen literally every six months or less, which would be a hospitalization in the ICU intubated, you know, because you're, you're, you're in critical condition. That yeah, you went, die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 50,000 people a year die to seizures. This is Epilepsy Awareness Month. We're talking in November right now. It's Epilepsy Awareness Month, you know, and every single year, SUDEP, sudden unexplained death in epilepsy patients, takes 50,000 kids and adults. Fojo, the Olympian, died. Cameron Boyce died. Big names have died to this. And, and you know, the last thing I could deal with being an intelligent individual was having adult protective services scurry through my home, having doctors try to push pharmaceuticals on me that I know cause side effects, overdoses, and death. And now that I've gotten away from all of it using plant medicine, wow, the difference is incredible. I have freedom. So it was one heck of an experience to, to discover that plant medicine would work for me just for epilepsy before it got to cancer, before it got to other issues that were so much more intense. Just that one issue made me decide there is no way I'm going to continue down the path I'm on right now. I'm heavily moving into cannabinoid medicine. That's terrific. Now tell us the story of your 13-year-old daughter, Genevieve. Did Genevieve. she have epilepsy? She has severe epilepsy. Now that's an interesting story of its own. Genevieve 
her biological father died a dozen years ago to an opioid overdose. Um, that's what led me to quit using opioid medications a year and a half ago uh, and become 100% opioid free, even with all kinds of diagnosis that would allow me to, to have these medications. So Genevieve is not my biological daughter. In uh, late 2016, as I was traveling around the nation, giving away cannabis oils, I had three stage four cancers. I figured I was dying. Um, most people with that would figure they're dying, right? So I was traveling around running a big compassion program, giving away cannabis oil, um, you know, working with a lot of the Northern California crew, the original Prop 215 crew from California, getting oils and bringing them all over the nation to patients that were in need, just getting it away as much as possible. And in August 2016, I knocked on a door that I'm 10 feet away from right now in my office. And I heard seizures going, I heard a kid seizing. And I was contacted the night before by the child's mother who asked if I could come by and help them. And it just was one of many thousands of people, you know? So, so um, I came to this house, I heard seizures, I, came, I went in, I, I gave Genevieve a rescue dose. She stopped seizing. Her life did literally she, changed. Did she stop seizing right away? How long did right it take? Right away, immediately. When, when I put THC rescue in the, to, into a seizing person's mouth, they stop seizing within seconds. It's immediate. There's no pharmaceutical that compares. There never will be. I'm somebody that used to wear a necklace with pharmaceutical drugs to rescue me if I was seizing. And anywhere from two to five tablets of two milligram dissolvable clonazepam would have to go into my mouth while I was seizing. Then EMTs would have to come and transport me to the hospital. That's how well pharma works. Now, when I put THC into the mouth of somebody that's seizing, including somebody putting it into my mouth, the seizures stop immediately. There are no EMTs. There is no hospitalization. It's pretty incredible. That and how often not, does she wow. how often does she take it now? Genevieve takes oil every day. I mean, she takes oil in the morning, takes oil in the afternoon, in the evening. Um, you know, so basically how that worked is I came and knocked on a door one day and her mom and I started dating shortly thereafter, and that got dubbed as the cannabis love story. There's now a website, cannabislovestory.com. People can go look at and read the whole story because it's very intense and it would take hours to tell you about how we met and how Genevieve became my daughter. So many people think that Genevieve is my biological child and she's not, but it doesn't take a biology to make father and daughter, in my opinion. It takes love. Yes, and it's lovely that you say that. Now, to change the subject a little bit, what type of research are you doing at the Global Cannabinoid Research Center? Well, you know, we we put our hands into just about everything. I do a lot of R&D to create products. Uh, I have multiple different product lines that are launching, Mike's Medicinals, Relaxation Recovery, Forest Bathing Topicals. So I do a lot of R&D for my own retail product lines that all stem from things that I made back in the days of Compassion. I haven't seen a lot of products that I created to give away way back when 
launched. So I decided, hey, I'll make some. So we do that. That's one little facet of what we do. But we do a lot of research analysis. So we're looking at other research that's done around the globe and analyzing that to see what is conjecture, what isn't, what's based on practical application, like a clinical trial. And then we also research the plan itself. You know, a, a lot of this type of thing is, is somewhat protected until we actually publish on it. Um, but one of our biggest areas that we're looking at right now that involves plant medicine is giving the plant medicine. Uh, lately, I've been addressing hemp domestication syndrome on a global basis. And what does that this, mean? Can you explain that? Yes, this is a situation where you've had so many decades and decades of domesticating a weed, okay? I mean, if you think about it, you can't grow crabgrass on your front lawn and just let it grow and grow and then pull it off your front lawn and give it specialized nutrients and soils for a decade and then put it back out on the front lawn and expect it to live. It'll die. The reason why it'll die is its defense mechanisms have left right okay so cannabis's defense mechanisms are our medicine it's terpenes it's flavonoids okay these are things that we need to create the profiles in the plant so what happens is over decades and decades or it could just be years uh the the plant is is slowly changing its dna stays the same so for example if you have abc kush as a strain okay in its very conception that Kush strain has 100% of its DNA intact. But over the years, you start getting this detachment of DNA strands. So the strands are breaking away, making the strains less and less and less medicinal. When you take away that defense system, the terpenes and the flavonoids, you start getting a change in the actual profile of the plant. There's so much activity right now with genomics where scientists are working on ways to match the strain to the patient. And there is a lot of merit in that science. But if the strains are continually changing, you can see how that science will be flawed. There'll be problems matching a strain to a patient. There'll be problems saying, hey, this strain is good for sleep or this strain will work good on this patient because the patient's DNA is like the strain's DNA. And see, that's not going to work if you've got a situation where you, the plant's been domesticated so much that it's changing in its profile onward and onward, literally by grow by grow, and that DNA keeps disconnecting. So will it, at some point, if it continues like that, will it become, shall we say, a useless plan in terms of helping people? Well, that's the big that worry. At, at GCRC, that's our big worry because, because what we look at are people, the plant, and, and we don't look at, at dollars and cents like a lot of people do. No, what we're looking at is a future of cannabinoid medicine. If we have DNA disconnect at 30% right now, what's going to happen at 2030? What's going to happen in 2040? What I look at are so many, there's so many people in the world of cannabis that are worried about big pharma taking over cannabinoid medicine, taking over plant. Um, and if, if that's gonna happen, which we're gonna see more pharmaceuticals, but if it, it, a true takeover were to occur, there would be only one way that it could happen. 
And that would be proving that the plant itself has lost its medicinal nature and that synthetics made in a lab won't. And believe me, scientists will be able to prove that if we keep domesticating the plant and keep stripping it of its natural defenses that are indeed our medicine. Well, that sounds horrible. Uh, I mean, are you talking more and more about this, this possibility of it happening? Could this happen in the next 10, 15 years? Well, we're talking about it happening right now. So, so we're talking about much more than it just happening right now because, because cannabis and hemp domestication syndrome is an active problem today. It's just not addressed. It's just not known of. That's why I stepped out in media about a week or 10 days ago and started talking about it because we do need to talk about this. And of course, if I'm going to step out and talk about this, I probably already found a way to stop it from happening. <laughs> you know? What's so, that? Tell us, tell us. <laughs> well, whenever you stop something from happening, you call it a mitigation therapy, correct? So, so what I, I'm in the process of developing with another big time biotech scientist. I'm not a scientist. I just surround myself by smart people, you know, but, but, but what we found is, is a way to administer uh, to the plant medicine <laughs> and the medicine for the plant. It just comes from the earth, it's just natural things. The plant hasn't gained and got for so many decades and years. If you think about it, Certain plants grow really good for a long time and stay healthy. If you look at the sequoias, wow, these trees are hundreds of years old and look how healthy they are. Their taproot goes how deep? It goes very, very deep. So they're getting elements of the earth that our cannabis plant isn't getting. So what we're looking at are mitigation ways, different uh, methods to, to mitigate this problem you can't reverse the DNA disconnect so much as you can stop it from happening. So what we're looking at doing is, is creating different technologies that stop the, the, the domestication syndrome. Now, it seems to me that I've talked to people that will have some kind of physical problem and they need help and they'll try one, one product and I won't give any names and they'll say it doesn't work. And then they'll try another product and that doesn't work. And maybe they'll go through five or six products uh, until they finally find something that works. Is that because there's already been uh, this problem that's occurring so that there's a lot of cannabis out there that is actually useless? Well, it's it's happening because everybody's different, and, and this is a this is a huge issue in the world of cannabis, and I should say in the world of online advice, especially when I when I watch different advice being given, like hey, use this strain for sleep, use this for that. Everybody has a different physiology. Everybody has a different diet. Everybody has different exercise routines. And all of these affect our endocannabinoid system and the production of both endocannabinoids and new cannabinoid receptors. All of those very important. So if a person has a way different sleep pattern, diet, uh, on and on, then another individual, they aren't gonna have the same reaction to the same strain of plant or the same dose of cannabinoid medicine. I understand that now. Yes. Now I want to ask you, I had read somewhere that you're producing a line of what is called relaxation products. What's that all about? Relaxation recovery brands is a product line that I've created 
um, using nanotechnology where we shrink the cannabinoid. So it's actually a, little, a smaller cannabinoid and it's delivered in a transdermal topical. So basically what that is, is essential oils like terpenes that come from the cannabis and hemp plant, along with uh, CBD and CBG that are water soluble. They're made in roll-ons and sprays, uh, also in bath soaks. So they actually can be sprayed on an area that needs a little bit of relief, you know, and, and not only does it hit that area, but it also absorbs transdermally into the bloodstream. Um, I prefer to create things that treat people on a cellular level. Uh, and when it comes to the relaxation recovery product line, it's taken me a while to get that out to the marketplace because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a cannabinoid medicine that is a retail product people can buy, but its 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 whole foundation and basis is to treat people on that cellular level. A lot of people don't realize that oils sort of run in our bloodstream. You know, if our if our if you look at our bloodstream like a river, um, oils are sort of like a raft floating along the top, attaching to different blood cells. Um, when you look at water soluble things like relaxation product line that uses nanotechnology, liposomal cannabinoids. Um, they are not like a raft, they're in the water. So when you take some oil, you're putting a raft in your bloodstream that floats along with it and does help you, absorbs about 6%, maybe 10% the most into the blood cell. When you use nanotechnology or liposomal technology, you can actually put something on the surface of somebody's skin, it'll absorb into their skin, making the skin a transdermal patch of sorts, and then uptake up to 90% into those blood cells. So there's a huge difference between water-soluble and oils. And, and I prefer water-soluble for medicines because it does have that cellular treatment level. Interesting. Now, are these products, some of these products already on the market that you're- Forest bathing topicals is, a similar product line to relaxation recovery. And that product is being released on the market right now. Um, the source cannabinoids already has a website up. Forest Bathing Topicals has three different forests that I created. Basically, they simulate the health of being in a forest. There's a lot of health involved in being in nature. Relaxation recovery is a little bit different than forest bathing topicals because instead of simulating the health of the forest and the aerosols that come in the forest, I looked a little bit differently. I looked at the health that comes from being in waterfalls, bathing in a waterfall, bathing in the ocean. What kind of health benefits do we get when we get around a waterfall, well, we get this beautiful ionic health. That's why it calms us so much just to stand next to one. When we go into the ocean, we get all these different organically rearranged monatomic elements, these really interesting minerals that are out in the ocean. Why does a whale live to 200 years? How come a whale can have a baby when it's 80 years old? Probably because it's swimming around with its mouth open, sucking these things in all day, every day. So it's getting elements from the earth that we don't get when we live in the city. So when I looked at relaxation recovery and when I look at other product lines like that that have terpenes and nano uh, cannabinoids, I'm looking at simulating the type of health that people will get 
when they're out in the forest where we truly came from. And when you think about what I just said, it ties directly into the mitigation for the hemp and cannabis domestication syndrome. Both humans and the plant share DNA that is very similar. Okay, so if you can treat a human on a cellular level with a certain type of medicine, you can also treat a plant. Now, of course, it can't be exactly the same, <laughs> but, but you see where it all ties together, that you can make the plant better and you can help stabilize its DNA by giving it a certain medicine. You can also do the same thing to a human being. What you have talked about is so incredible. I'm going to nominate you for a Nobel Prize. It's so terrific what, you, what you're doing out there. But I want to just change the subject for a moment. And that's what's uh, going to be happening uh, in the next year or so uh, when, when Biden is the president of the United States. What do you think? Do you think he'll decriminalize marijuana, you know, opening the door to full legalization. Are you politically optimistic about that happening? Well, I am a former registered civil rights lobbyist that did my internship in DC in the late 90s. So I've had my fingers in politics a little bit in the past, mostly on the civil rights edge of things, you know. Um, but when it, when it comes down to guesswork on what a new president will do, we have to look at multiple new presidents of the past. Um, when uh, Donald Trump uh, ran for office, he definitely talked a lot about medicinal cannabis and how much he loved it. Um, uh, Barack Obama did the same thing. Um, so, so we've had a lot of talk talk, but now we've got a president with a vice president who actually introduced some legislation. So this is a whole different game. Um, I'm nervous, I'll tell you that much. A little bit nervous about what's gonna happen. Uh, we, what what do you mean about being nervous? I mean, that nothing well, will happen or he'll, he'll be squelched from doing anything? No, I believe we're definitely going to see some action, without a doubt, okay? And if you want Mike Robinson's theory, I'll give it to you right now, because it's pretty intense, okay? Yes. Okay, it, let's take a look at what happened in 2019 before the 2020 elections. Suddenly, THCP and CBDP are announced. Wow, we found two new cannabinoids that came from a government strain, the same government that conducted MK Ultra testing decades and decades ago, got busted for it, went through Senate hearings in the 70s. We know what the US government has done with cannabis in the past. We know that the US government knows about cannabinoids we don't know about, right? So in 2019, the government supplies a strain and we find mecalum. You know, the big time mecalum finds THCP and THCO. T, or I'm sorry, THCO, uh, I'm sorry, THCP and CBDP, excuse me. So THCP being almost 40 times as strong as THC, without a doubt, makes a case that the cannabis plant must be scheduled. Okay, so if you think about the, the groundwork was laid in 2019, now you have a 2020 election, now you have a new president in 2021, and he gets to go back to 2019 and go, well, we would end prohibition, but 
we've got information now that THC can be 33 to 40 times stronger than it normally is just through this one cannabinoid that was found in 2019. This is definitely a strong drug we need to keep control of. So what I see is the groundwork done to reschedule the two or three. And that puts us all in a position to where we go, okay, what do we do? We've got a plant that's scheduled. You know, so we don't know what's going to happen. Is there going to be, re the, the, there's a lot of positives to rescheduling. You've got research being opened up, possibly. We don't know how much. Um, you've got insurance coverage for people that are using plant medicine. These are big positives, but the drawbacks are incredible. One thing that I have seen is what's called a dual framework for legalization, where uh, the high probability would be that there is a rescheduling of cannabis, and there's also in that dual framework a, a clause or what have you, a large stack of paper that leaves state rights alone. So your state cannabis laws keep going, but on a federal level, we see rescheduling, the opening of research and interstate commerce that allows everybody to make tax revenue because that's what the government's about. Well, that sounds more positive because I, I thought you were gonna be going down a lane that was gonna have a gate at the end of it. You know, Mike, I would love to keep talking with you. You're, you're terrific and you have so much information and so much energy, and I'm happy that you're well and strong again. Uh, but we're running out of time. So we'd love to have you on again for sure. Uh, but you, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the web again? Uh, give us a slowly where people can go because I'm sure our listeners will want to know more. You know, you can go to Mike's Medicines, my main blog I've had for like four years now. And that's a really easy thing to find. Mike'sMedicines.com. And when you go to that under the menu, the very first thing is GCRC Publications that gives you all 20 websites on your own. It also gives you a link to Genevieve's Dream, tells you all about Genevieve. In the menu, it also has the Cannabis Love Story and all kinds of articles about Genevieve. It's the best way to find me, mindsmedicines.com. Well, Mike Robinson, again, we thank you so much for being on High Society with Paxton Quigley. And we look forward to having you on again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Certainly. And folks, please remember that my novel, Just Try Me, is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And to all of our listeners, you can visit us on Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram by going to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Please stay safe, wear a mask, stay in touch with us. I'm Paxton Quigley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.